Fantastic. Grab a seat there this morning. Hey, it is so good to be here with you guys here at Connect Church. And look, I just want to really honor Adam and Anita and your team here. And uh, you guys bless us as a nation. The lead role that you take for New Life Churches in New Zealand are championed by, by Adam and Anita, but, but with your whole team working behind that, you're building not only into our church in Richmond, Nelson, but into 80-something other churches up and down this land as you champion us, as you encourage us. And, and as we just see together, our new life continue to rise from strength to strength and see many people saved and released for the things of God. So thank you, guys. We just we really want to honor you both and your team. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, it's great to be here with you. And look, I want to share a message this morning entitled, Making Room for the Holy Spirit in Our Lives. Now, sometimes we might think, what does that look like? What would that mean? And I'd love you, if you've got your Bibles this morning, to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 to 36. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 to 36. And here we take up a story with Elisha. And it tells us that Elisha went to a town called Shunem. And it says a well-to-do woman there took note of him coming in and said to her hubby, we should get, the, get him around for a meal, he and his servant. We should get them around. And so began a connection when, where whenever Elisha came to town, he would come to their place for a meal. Now, eventually, she said to her husband, she said, we should build a room on our roof. We should furnish that room with a bed and a chair and a table and a lamp. And whenever he comes, he can stay there and just have a place to do what he needs to do, but be based there. And so that's what they did. And I just want to draw out this morning for us the parallel between Elisha, the Old Testament prophet, and the Spirit of God. See, we now each carry the Spirit of God in our lives if we're a follower of Jesus Christ. But in the Old Testament, uh, an individual had the power of God or the Spirit of God on them to fulfill a task or role. So when she made room for the man of God, in essence, in her time, she was making room in her home for the Spirit of God. And so there's some very direct parallels for you and I there today. And the first thought is we need to intentionally create space for the Holy Spirit. Um, at our home, we've got five children, Vanessa and I, and uh, ranging from 16 down to two and a half. We've got two little two and a half year olds, so life is active at our house, to say the least. And uh, so we're always thinking, mm, we could do with a little bit more room here or there when extra people come to stay. So we've just converted the loft in our upstairs area in the garage. Now, um, so we've turned it into a bedroom, lined it out, and it's just all go there. But um, before I could do that, I had to clear out the junk. And, um, and I had to get up there in that place and all that camping gear, hmm, I've got to find a new home for that stuff. I had to clear out every bit of rubbish, we're not going to use that ever again. And in the bin it goes. I had to pick up the couple of dead mice, and out they go as well, and, and just sort that out like happens in our loft. And uh, for you and I, as we're making room for the Holy Spirit, the first thing we need to do is we need to clear out the old to make room for the new. And I wonder for yourself, what would the Spirit of God say to you today? What do you need to clear out to make more room for the Holy Spirit to inhabit every part of your life, every room in your life in the days that are to come? You know, Psalm 66, verse 18 says, If I cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And here, just through scriptures like this, we get a, a wee reminder that, hey, you know, the Holy Spirit and sin are not compatible. And we can be a Christian and we can have given our lives over to God, but there can be areas of our lives that we haven't given over. And so there's a wrestle going on in the depths of our heart. And God would just say, hey, it's time to clear out some of that stuff. 
You know, the first home that we ever bought, it was an 1870s old villa out in the country near where we live, and uh, we don't live there anymore. But when we bought that and moved in there, the place was physically a mess, but spiritually it was just full of junk. You walked in there and there's witchcraft stuff all over the walls. There were shrines on the floor. There were pentagrams painted there, and there'd been a whole heap of stuff going on. You just felt like someone was watching you. Everywhere you walked, it was just like that, that freaky sort of feeling. So the first thing we did is we went out, we threw out all the junk. So we did it physically, but then we cleared out the junk spiritually. We went into every single room and we just said, any demonic spirit in this room, we break your hold in Jesus' name. We command you to get out of this house and right off this property in the name of Jesus Christ. And then we said, Holy Spirit, come. Just fill this place with your presence. May your peace reside here. You know, almost every person who visited us in that place in the days, the months, and the years to come said, this place is so peaceful. There's just something about this place. It's just like, it's just like, ah, I feel so relaxed here. And it was because we made room for the presence of God to inhabit a physical place as well. And we gave him lordship and kingship in that place. What do you need to clean out in your home? What's on the shelf? What's in the cupboard? What's there that's really a reminder of your old life, that letter from that flame from the past, that, 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 that statue of, of some foreign god, whatever it might be, it doesn't matter who gave it to you, it's a time to clear those things out. And, uh, you know, I just want to talk about something that's really creating such a, such a mess in our society these days. There's one other thing that's often in homes up and down New Zealand, and it's certainly prevalent right at the, at the mo. and that's the whole thing of pornography. Uh, there's just breaking down family life, breaking down relationships, and messing up men and women, just, just, just really twisting that which God intended for good and twisting it around uh, uh, for evil. And I just want you to imagine, you go home this afternoon, you're kicking back, relaxing, there's a knock on your door, you open it, and there's a person there with a sealed box, and they say, hi, we're from the council. We've just got a big box of pornography for you. We love you. Well, you actually have to put it in your lounge, just on the dining, you know, on your coffee table. Put it in the kitchen, just on the wee table there. and Perhaps just spread it around your bedrooms and stuff as well. And So that's just a gift from us and the government, the New Zealand government. You'd be like, I don't think so. You can take that and you can you throw that stuff out. I don't, it's not coming into my home. And um, But, you know, through the internet, we literally have open access to pornography at the click of a button into every home, every bedroom, every lounge room, uh, up and down our nation for every man or woman, every child or every teenager to potentially be exposed to intentionally or unintentionally. And this is messing things up in our society. If we're going to talk about clearing out the old, we've got to talk about the real stuff that's impacting uh, non-Christians and Christians alike, affecting our homes, filling our homes. We need to clear out the junk. You know, um, they did a survey of New Zealanders and they found that over 60% of adults have accidentally stumbled across pornography. They say 91% of New Zealanders say it's just far too easily accessible for under-18s. That's almost all of New Zealand saying that. Uh, 70%, there's two-thirds of New Zealanders, think pornography overall is bad for society. And only 4% said it was good and the others were just like, oh, I don't know. And, um, and two-thirds of New Zealanders as well said uh, pornography should be blocked at, at, the, um, at the providers. It shouldn't be coming as of right, as of, as of uh, you know, straight into our homes. It should be blocked there, and only if you say, I want that, what, should it be turned on at your providers. And, you know, we, we just see in now a rising voice in our nation where people are realizing the destruction that this is causing. We don't often talk about it, but we need to talk about it because this is about clearing out the old to make room for the Spirit of God in our lives. And I don't know if you watch other countries, but Israel have said, you must opt in and say, I want pornography, not I don't want pornography. You could opt into it and opt out of it. China have banned it. North South Korea have banned it. Many, many 
Middle Eastern countries have banned it. Even the mayor of Toowoomba, Australia, two hours south of Sydney, has said pornography has no place in our city. Let's make a stand as a city and say, hey, we're, we're not having this in our homes, affecting our marriages and our children. And um, so we need to make a stand for this. I challenge every Christ follower today to put something in place in your home to stem the flow of pornography into your home that's so accessible, just the click of a button to any one of us or anyone who might come in. There's a number of programs that you can put on your computer, and we've, we've trialed K9 and NetNanny and things like that over time. But um, what we've discovered more recently, and we've just pushed this right through our church, is, um, is a website called safesurfer.co.nz. So you can picture surfing. You want to surf safely. And uh, it's called safesurfer.co.nz. Two Christian guys in Tauranga set this up. You jump on there. Any one of you could do it. They'll give you instructions to be able to follow so that you turn off pornography at the entrance to your home. It's like you've got a tap flowing water straight into your home. It's like you're turning down the tap. Only the good comes in now, the bad shut off at the door. And it's so easy to set up. It took me like 10 minutes. takes most other people 5, 10. If you get stuck, you jump on the phone and they'll help you do it. It is hassle-free and nothing comes through. And so why would we not do that if we're clearing out the old to make room for the new? You know, the second thing we need to do is we need to intentionally prepare that place for the Holy Spirit to reside. Just like this woman did, the Shumanite woman did the same. She cleared it out and she furnished it with a bed and a chair and a table and a lamp. And, um, and in the same way, you and I have the opportunity and the challenge to furnish the room of our heart with things that are going to be conducive to the Spirit of God, not just residing there, but, but really flourishing there and connecting with us there in such a personal way. You know, we can furnish the room of our heart, obviously, with the Word of God. Now, we don't furnish it by just sitting it in the corner, letting it gather at dusk. We read it, we apply it, we look at God's promises and truths for our lives, and we live by it. We furnish that. We set that place up for the Holy Spirit to reside there by reading His Word and allowing Him to speak to us. We furnish out the rooms of our heart through prayer, through talking to God, through hearing from Him. We furnish it through fasting, through worship, through coming to church, through doing life with other Christians and spurring each other on. And we furnish that room of our heart by living a life of faith. You know, there's great benefit that came to that woman of God who chose to clear a place and furnish a room to make room for the man of God or the spirit of God in her home. If you think about it, as they sat around, they had meals together, they would have built connection and relationship. We want to know God. We want to understand His heart. And as we make room for the spirit of God in our lives, as we stop and pause and read His word and pray and listen, we form relationship and we grow closer and closer and closer, just as that couple would have with the man of God in their era or their time. You know, growth comes when we make room for the Holy Spirit. And um, I just want us to, to look at the next part, First Kings, uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 11. And the Bible tells us there that, Elisha was chilling and relaxing in his room, and he said to his servant, um, Gehazi, call the Shumanite woman. Let's ask her what we can do for her. And so they call her to the room, and they ask her, and, and she responds in quite an interesting way. He says, look, can we speak to the king on your behalf? Can we arrange anything for you? And she goes, no, I'm all good. Thank you. She, she goes, I've got a place among my own people. My life is good. And so she sort of just says, I'm fine with it. 
And what we see here is a beautiful heart that she didn't make room for the man of God or the spirit of God for what she could get. She made room just because she wanted to make room for this man to give honor to that which he was doing and that place that he ought to rightfully have in that town, in that region, in that area. And so we make room for the spirit of God, not for what we can get as well, but we're also greatly blessed that God also then gives and sows into our lives in such a tangible way. And they call her back and they say, come on again. What can be done for her? What can be done for you? And um, Gehazi, the servant, points out, well, she has no son. Her husband's old. She has no son. And so Elisha, click. And he calls her back in, and she comes and stands at the doorway, as any proper woman would do when it comes to another man in a home, in a setting like that. And, um, and he says, this time next year, you will hold a son in your hand. Well, at that, he pushes a button and a nerve for her. She goes, no, no, my Lord, don't, 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 don't. It's like, don't tease me with that. Don't, 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 don't say like that to me. She goes, no. This time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. And sure enough, she fell pregnant. She had a son. Where did that son come from? She first cleared out the old. She made room for the new. She furnished a room. The Spirit of God was there, and blessing came because she made room for that. It was an absolute miracle and complete breakthrough in her setting in her life. And for you and for me, as we make room for the Spirit of God in our lives, blessing and growth comes. You know, Adam alluded to the, the cleaning up and the sorting out that, that, that God does in our lives. And um, as, as we grow with Him and as we walk with Him, we experience healing and deliverance and restoration, and we discover hope again and the reason that we're here on this planet. But then it begins to develop even more than that. Once God's been doing that healing, restoring work, He then starts to say, How hey, I made you for a purpose. I've put gifts on your life. I've put you here in this community, in this region for such a time as this to be a voice and a mouthpiece to these around us. And he starts to call us out, not just from a place of brokenness to, oh, now I'm doing good, but into a place of fulfillment and ministry and just like, mate, let me at it. What can I do for God? We learn to hear his voice and God starts to prompt us. And, you know, I was walking along, just along the street the other day going to visit a place where my mum and dad are. And, um, and I looked down and there, there was a, a door open to this man's home and a man was just sitting in there. And I felt the Spirit of God just say, go and talk to that man. So I just wandered in and said, oh, hi, I stood at his door. Hey, I'm John O. Is, is it all right just to come and say hello? And so he went and sat down and he said, oh, yeah, people walk past here all the time. But it was opening line. He said, but sometime they're going to walk by and I just won't be here anymore. And I thought, hmm, there's a God opportunity right there. I said, look, I'm a pastor, I'm a believer, and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And a part of my role is I teach people how to prepare for the life after this life. We are all going to die one day, every one of us. You're right, someday you might not be here, and I might not be here. But I said, part of what I do is I help people get right with God. I help them understand how they can be, uh, you know, get right, not just in this life, but for the life that is to come. And to cut a long story short, I sat down, I shared some verses with them, I prayed with them, I talked with them, and I said, would you like to make Jesus the Lord of your life? And right there in, in, in his room, in his, in his living room, I prayed with him, and he received Christ into his life, acknowledged him as Lord of his life, asked for forgiveness for his sins, and, and, and tears just rolled down his face, and he just said, thank you, thank you so much, and We've had ongoing contact with him since and, and just, just, just seeing him being encouraged in that. But, you know, see, that comes as we clear out the old. We make room for the new, but we furnish a place where the Spirit can, can reside. And then we begin to build connection and relationship. And out of that comes opportunities where we're prompted and empowered by the Spirit. And lives get changed. Lives get saved. And people get stirred and turned around. 
You know, sometimes things happen just really naturally and really practically as well. As we had some work being done in our paddock, and an engineer was out there testing all the soil and stuff. And and uh, I went out talking to him, and and he said, "Oh, life's been really, really tough lately." He said, "We've been trying to have a baby, we can't. We've done IVF three times. The doctors have said there's just no hope. We're out of money. They can't do any more for us. My wife's just broken. We just can't have any children. We just—it's just so upsetting." It's a non-Christian guy. Once again, I felt the Spirit of God residing in me, just say, pray for him, for healing. And so I, I explained about, a bit about my faith in God and said, could I pray for you? I've seen people heal before and, um, and in this sort of setting. And so I laid hands and right there in the paddock on this non-Christian guy and just prayed that anything that would be stopping, you know, children being brought forth in the family line would be broken off and just declared life and healing and freedom over them both in Jesus' name. Well, I heard nothing more from him for a long time. And then about a year later, I get a phone call from this guy. And he says, look, I just wanted to ring you to tell you, we just had a little baby girl. And so awesome, eh? Like, thank you, God. Amazing. Mother... The cool thing was, he said, look, I just want to thank you for praying for me that day in your paddock. He said, I really believe that, that something shifted over our lives then, and, and we've got this beautiful little baby girl. And I wrote him a card after, and I said, look, we're just so stoked for you, and we're just so thankful to God for this wee girl. And I said, I pray that every time you look at your daughter as she grows, that you'd be reminded that God healed you guys, that he brought this forth, that he brought life into your situation, and he wants you to know him personally. And so these are the opportunities that come to us as we clear out the old, make room for the new are led by the Spirit of God. Just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Don't underestimate even just, uh, even, even just how a conversation with another person can be led by the Spirit of God. And um, we've, got, uh, we've got five children a, a, and two two-and-a-half-year-olds, as I said, our youngest uh, daughter we adopted, um, she's the same age as our, as our natural daughter, and, and it's just a great blessing as these two grow like, like virtual twins uh, in our family, that they virtually are twins. So, But um, it came about because God led a conversation on the side here that had nothing to do with us. See, my wife, Vanessa, had had a dream on her heart from like a 16-year-old. God said, you're to adopt one day. But we got married, and, and it wasn't initially my dream, but as we grew together, that began to grow in my heart as well. And we had our other four children, and we did the adoption course twice over the years, and we're going, Lord, how's this going to pan out? How's this going to work? Every time we felt like God closed the door after we'd done all the training and preparation and, and got ready to go in the pool and all this sort of stuff for, to, for, to um, have the option to adopt. And then... Um, we got a phone call, and, and, and this um, social worker said, look, I was just talking to this pastor down the road, and we're, we're desperate. We've got this young 17-year-old um, preggy girl, and we just can't find a home for her anywhere. We hear that, that you guys um, sometimes have people in your home and look out for them, and we were just wondering, this lady said, maybe there'd be a space in your home. So they had a conversation. The Spirit of God just led a conversation between two other people, and she said, maybe you might be available. And, um, and so we said, yeah, yeah, sure, she's welcome to come and stay with us and we'll see how that goes. And so she came into our life. Our hope was that we'd be able to help her be a mum and help, um, you know, she was pregnant alongside Ness being pregnant and uh, these girls walking around, you know, so, um, so yeah, that's what it's like. And, um, but, but, you know, the journey was a little bit different. We prayed for that baby every day in the womb. We laid hands on her. She eventually started coming to church and began a whole new understanding of God in her life as well. But um, to cut a long story short, in the end, the, 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 you know, surfs or the government said, look, she, she's not got the skills and we're not going to be able to let her continue to raise this little one herself. And, um, and at that, as she got the notice on that, she rung us up. We just gone on holiday. We, we, were, we were a couple of hours away. We just had our family all set up in this little wee place. And, she, and, and this young girl rings us up and says, John and Ness, they're not going to let me keep my baby. Would you guys adopt her, please? 
And, um, and so, you know, massive for a young mum to, to even to ring us and to talk like that. But we talked about plan A, we talked about plan B, and, and she'd been a part of our family, and she was like part of the family for us as well. And now this beautiful little girl, Sarah Victoria Martin, is coming to our family as a part of our family there. We've now got a whole wider family with her birth family as well. And so we do life not just with us, but also with them. But we're very much mum and dad. But it came because, you know, someone made room for the Spirit of God here. They had the conversation. So don't underestimate the power of a conversation where you're just talking. Mate, I I just think that's on them. I think that, 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 I just know that they're open for that. I I know they move like that. I know they minister in this realm. And don't be afraid to to hook your friends up, hook family up with opportunities and say, hey, maybe this could be a God thing. Because for us, it sure was. And it's just changed everything for us and our life and our journey. You know, we also see not only do, are we blessed by making room for the presence of God in our lives, but, um, but we're also ministered to in the tough times by having made that room for the Spirit of God to reside in our hearts. And um, if you know the story, verse 18 tells us that the child grew and he's out in the field one day with his dad when he said, my head, my head is so sore. He was carried back into the house by a servant placed in the arms of his mum. His mum held him till noon and then he died in her arms. This gift from God, this promised child that came out of a prophetic word, died in her arms. It would seem in the natural all hope was lost. But how does she respond? She responds so differently to how we would picture she might respond. She picks the boy up. She says nothing to anyone. She goes upstairs onto the roof to the place that she'd cleared out, to the place that she had furnished, to the place that she had established for the man of God, for the presence of God. And she lays that boy on that bed. She goes downstairs to her husband. She doesn't say anything about the boy dying. She says, hubby, call, call me a servant. Get me a donkey. I'm going to see the man of God. He goes, why? It's not the Sabbath. It's, it's, it's not a special celebration. She goes, it's all all right. So listen to her words. It's all okay. It's all all right. She hops on that donkey. She's led by the servant. They, 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 they race as fast as they can to Elijah. And uh, you can read the detail of the story yourself. He sees her a long way off and he goes, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he sends a servant to go and ask her. And she goes, it's all all right. It's all right. She just fixes her eye on the man of God, the spirit of God. And she goes where she knows she needs to go to get the comfort and the strength and, the, and, and, and that which she's believing for for this season in her life. She doesn't look to the left or the right or this person or that person. I need the presence of God. I need to get into the presence of God. That's in essence what she's saying. And she rushes to him. She falls on her feet, crying and so upset. And, and, and even Elisha at this time is going, I still don't know what's going on. What's going on? He's trying to hear the voice of God for himself. And then he goes, her son. And he, and he sends a servant go to Gehazi. He goes, go, take my staff, go. And so Gehazi races off, goes to the boy. Nothing happens. And we read a wee while later on, Gehazi's messing a bit, trying to get some money he shouldn't be trying to get later, struck down with leprosy. So things are a bit off for him. And um, so, you know, we want the Spirit of God to move, but sometimes we need to clear out the stuff. And so you can read, there's a whole lesson right there in itself. And, um, and so anyway, she goes, I'm not leaving you, Elisha. I'm not, I'm not leaving you. So he goes, oh. I'm, I'm coming there. And so they go to a house, and he goes upstairs to that place prepared for the man of God, the presence of God. He shuts everybody else out, and he prays, and, and, and he lies on this boy, and he prays again. And there's, there's a range of things happening, and we see him contending for healing. We see him even as a man of God, even as a man like you or I, but full of the Spirit of God. We see him contending for healing and fighting for healing and life to come for this boy. It doesn't come immediately. It doesn't come immediately, but he continues in faith. And then he lies on this boy and he continues to pray. And then life comes back. The boy coughs seven times. And then he's risen up and, and, and he takes the boy and he presents him and says, here, take your son. 
And, uh, you know, just such an amazing, amazing blessing if we consider the reality of that journey. But there's some keys there. In her biggest time of need, she didn't tell everybody everything. And the Bible says, you know, don't share your, your, your pearls with swine. And that's not a put down to everyone else around us. But some people have got the faith to carry and understand that journey that you're on. And others are just going to, they've got this, they've got that. And they're going to tell everyone else. And they're actually just going to declare the enemy's plans instead of God's plans or God's promises over your life. So when you hit difficulty, don't talk to everybody. Doesn't mean your whole family need to know. You go where you need to go. She went where the presence of God was. She went to the man of God. She went to the place she'd prepared or, or, or the flow on from that because she needed breakthrough in her family. And uh, be very careful who you go to in your time of need. Don't go to the world. Go to the presence of God first and gather men and women of faith around you who will stand and believe for that which you need. She spoke words of faith. She spoke both to her hubby and to the servant. It's all okay. It's all right. She had her eye on the goal. Her son's just died. It's all all right. It's all all right. You know, she's not denying what's happened, but she's got a plan. She's got an understanding of what she needs to do to get the breakthrough that she needs. There's some lessons there for you and me. And in her greatest time of loss, she determined she would not let go of the presence of God. She wouldn't let go of Elijah. I'm staying here with you. And for you and me in our greatest time of need, cling to God. Don't let your greatest time of need steal your faith away from you. Don't let it cause you to run to the world or run to alcohol or run to drugs or whatever you might run to when life gets tough. Run to the man of God, the presence of God, that place you've prepared in your heart for the Spirit of God. Go to Him first and gather people around you that are going to help you. You know, in our greatest times of loss, Ness and I have just come back and said, God, God, in the midst of our tears, in the midst of our pain, we, we honor you and we worship you. You know, we've been through a range of stuff over life, and well, we were on a missions trip, Ness and I, a few years back. We got a phone call while we were there to say, hey, your house has been raised to the ground by fire. It wasn't just a normal fire. Someone torched your place, poured petrol around it, torched everything. You've lost dogs and birds in the fire. Your kids are okay, but everything's gone, your vehicles, everything you own. So we're there, and then Nisa just finished preaching to a whole bunch of women, seen an amazing breakthrough, and we're, we're ministering all, all around this part of Zimbabwe. We change our flights, we fly back, but in the midst of our tears and our loss and trying to comprehend what's going on, it's, God, you are still Lord. God, that's only stuff. God, we give you thanks. No lives are taken. We choose to honor you in the midst of this, and we strengthened ourselves. We went again to that place that we'd cleared out, we'd made room, we'd furnished, and we said, God, we, we hunker into you right at this time, and we pursue you and we honor you. You know, when we've lost little ones through miscarriage, when we walk that journey of pain that so many here have, have walked as well, when we've had our lives, uh, um, our health threatened in such a life-threatening way that, that, we've, that, that one of us have been on the, on the verge of death, in those times we've said, but God, we honor you, we press into you, we cling to you in this time of need. And, um, you know, at this time, um, in response to her faith, in response to the decisions that she had made, not just in her time of loss, but right back here where she cleared a room, she filled a place, she made room for the presence of God. Because of that journey she had walked, she saw the breakthrough of God in her life, in her time of need. That same promise is there for you and for me. And um, I I really encourage you, press in to God. Choose to honor him, choose to live for him. You know, she didn't just see her son restored, but if you read on a little bit further, we read that Elisha warned her and said there's going to be a famine in the land. Sometimes the Spirit of God will speak to us and say, watch out for that, prepare for that, pull your money out of that, do this now, invest in that, whatever it might be. And anyway, there was a famine. She she had to move out, go, go live in a different land. She came back, and because of her connection with Elisha, 
because of that connection and that relationship, it caused her to have favor with the king. The king heard who she was and said, and she said, I would like my home back. He said, it's yours. And he said, you know, not just that, you will receive seven times um, the income that you lost during the time that you've been away. See, God just doesn't doesn't just just give back. God restores abundantly. God restores beautifully. It might look different to before, but as we walk with the presence of God, as we walk honoring Him and living for Him, God leads, God guides, God comforts, He strengthens, and He restores that which the enemy has tried to steal out of every one of your lives. And you know, maybe you're here today and you just go, man, the enemy has tried to rob me. And maybe in so many ways it feels just like He has. Clear out that room of your heart. Furnish that room. Press into the presence of God. Build that relationship. Find your strength and your comfort and your encouragement through that relationship with God, through His Holy Spirit. That's God's encouragement and strength and, uh, and, and word to you today. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just close your eyes right around this room. Thank you, Father. Lord, we honor you. We thank you for your word that teaches us principles that we can do life by. We thank you, Lord, for stories like this that remind us of that which we can apply in our own lives. And Lord, I pray for ones here, Lord, who are hurting, who are broken. Lord, I pray for those who just go, man, it feels like the enemy has come in to destroy my life. Lord, I pray that your spirit would minister comfort and hope and life to every one of them in this season of time that they'd be in, Lord God. May you be the hope of their life. Lord, as they press into you, as they do the stuff, Lord, may your spirit lead them and guide them, bless them and encourage them, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. You know, just as your eyes are closed here today, and just you having time, just you and God this morning, if you're saying, yeah, John, I want to intentionally make more room for the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to clear out the stuff if it needs to be cleared. I want to prepare a place. I just want to really press in to allow the presence of God to reside in my life. Would you just raise your hand across this place today? You just want to make room for more of the Holy Spirit in your life. Awesome, right across this place. That's you, the heart of every Christian, just to release room and presence and place for the presence of God. Thank you, Lord. You can just put your hands down now. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray for everyone here. Lord, you know our hearts. You know our journey. I pray that you'd strengthen each one of us to do what needs to be done to clear out the old. I pray that you'd show us what we can put in place, Lord, to furnish that room, to furnish that place, to make it more conducive to knowing you, hearing from you, getting to know you more. And Lord, I pray that you would bless and comfort and strengthen out of that relationship, that as we do the journey of life, Lord, that you would be glorified, that you would be exalted, and that you would be lifted up through all that we do, all that we say, and all that we stand for. And everybody said, amen. Fantastic. Thank you.